Hello and welcome to my personal journey with M. Today's episode is at the request of one of our listeners who picked up upon M's journey with vestibular issues. Thank you for this request and for any interaction within the podcast. It is much appreciated. Hello and welcome back to my personal journey with M. Um, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, um, or perhaps good night if you're lying in bed, just as I do, pop the earbuds in or um, just lie and listen to some meditations or some podcasts to allow my body to wind down. Um, my brain and my body need to sink before I can sleep. <laughs> um, today's podcast is... Um, our monologue rather, is at the request of one of our lovely listeners who had picked up upon me mentioning my experiences with vestibular issues um, when we were discussing forest bathing. So I'd just like to say thank you so much for reaching out. It really does mean an awful lot to Elle and I um, to know that we are connecting with our audience, our our friends who, you know, that's what you are. You you are you're part of a fold, whether it be um you're on a journey with SPS or you're caring for someone with SPS, or that indeed you have another condition or there are things going on in your life and you can connect somewhere along in these these stories and and in our, our general podcasts of just talking all things life um so thank you it really is much appreciated so i have to admit today that i am taking a leaf out of my own book (laughs) um one that has taken quite a while a self-narrative to learn to say just press pause be gentle with yourself um, it's been a very busy couple of days and my body is struggling a little with fatigue and SPS and where I've been with, with fatigue and chronic fatigue, I I wish to never return, please God. Um, so I'm very mindful of my energy bucket and where I am today. So I am looking out my bedroom window um, there isn't much sunshine, but there is daylight and there is birdsong. And I have candles lit in my room and in the hallway that I can see that is um, sending a lovely hue of um, amber into the room. And I am actually in my bed in with my lovely white linen um, duvet cover, one of my favourites, Um, with the guardian of the house lying to my right with his abundance of fluffy soft curls and floppy paws as he lies on his back um, reclining, listening and um, making sure that, you know, all is well with mum, (laughs) that's me and um, making sure that he's getting his rest too (laughs) as I say, be more dog (laughs) Um, so First of all, I just wanted to clarify with regards to my last monologue quickly that when I spoke about my state of fear with needles, blood, etc., that that was new in my journey of SPS. Prior to SPS coming into my life, 
I, I have been in for operations. I've had a total thyroidectomy. I had monthly bloods, um, sometimes weekly bloods. And I, I was never anxious or um, worked up if we put you know to put it quite crudely um it's not a very articulate phrase but that's the only word I can say I, I didn't get worked up I just popped along sometimes at work to get bloods done um and then went back to work so just to clarify that 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 was not my normal state I was very much the SPS um and and it's manifestations entering into my life anyway I digress so with regards to dizziness and vestibular, my journey is quite, it's a, it's a strange one with regards to this. So about four years ago, I started to experience what you could say were dizzy spells, but nothing in comparison when I use the word vestibular, um, vestibular attacks or vestibular in general. Um, so I would have, you know, the, the room would go a little woozy. I would sit down and it, it would resolve within within seconds. I could be washing the dish, dishes, anything like that. And, you know, the, these wee moments of dizziness would occur, but they would settle very quickly. They, they came and went as quickly. Um, they came and they went as quickly as they arrived, rather. So I didn't think anything of that. I was still, you know, um, able to drive as and when the chronic fatigue allowed. And I mention this because it's going to be an important part when I go on to discuss the second opinion um, in my recording today. But really what happened um, with the vestibular attacks was um, we have a holiday home and we were driving up to um, the holiday home um, in two separate cars. My eldest son was with myself. Journey was fine. It's about an hour drive we had a few stops along the way to to cater for my chronic fatigue um excuse that noise in the background that is actually um my essential oil diffuser i would highly recommend if you struggle with strong scents um this those are it's a very gentle um scent into the house rather than strong smelling candles which is something since my my SPS journey, I can't um, cope with strong smelling scents. So if that beeps again, it just means that the, the diffuser's um, running out of water, but it will just turn off um, automatically. Um, so apologies. So yes, I was driving. Um, we arrived at our destination. And as I stopped the car, I suddenly felt as though everything was violently shaking and moving. And the only thing that I could connect that to was experiencing an earthquake in Japan. And now what I use and what many people with um, vestibular events or vestibular issues call, call actually is earthquake mode. Who knew? Um, but it really is the, the, the only analogy that can um, try to be descriptive enough to explain how violent these attacks can be. Um, so in the car, I have my eldest son and I said to him, run for safety, run quick. And he just looked at me in dismay. And I was trying to open the car door. And before I knew it, I was on the tarmac of the car park. And my eldest son 
at that stage, you know, started to realise something was really not wrong, not right, rather, that something was very wrong. And I'm saying, run, run for safety, go. And then I looked up and he's like, mum, what's wrong? And I was like, there's an earthquake. And he looked so confused and he's like, mum, nothing is happening. And I looked over and then in the cafe, everyone continued to have their coffee and wine and were laughing. And I couldn't understand it. And my son said, mum, nothing is happening. You're okay. And I said, no, there's there's something going on in, in, inside of me. So he helped me to the, the the powder room, the ladies' room, and he stood outside to um, to wait on me. And I tried to compose myself in there, um, not trying not to worry him further, but I really struggled to get back to the car um, with my mobility. Something was kicking in. Um, and even in the car, it was there. There was still what you could say is aftershocks. Um, my hus- my son called my husband to say, "Mum's not too well, and we're just going to try and, and make it to the holiday home." And we 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 just walked over very very slowly. Um, we could have actually we can park outside our holiday home, but I, I couldn't even. I I thought I'm not safe to drive at this moment. Um, and ironically, again, I didn't call for medical help and, and I, I, I kick myself. So if anything like that does happen to you, seek medical help. <laughs> and uh, for, for various reasons, but um, as I allude to what happened as my journey continued, um, I wish I, I had called for medical help then. But I really felt my children had had enough of hospitals and me in hospitals and them waiting outside whilst I was seeing, seeking medical attention, medical care. So my husband, you know, and I, we discussed it and I said, let's just leave it until we go back home and I will contact my neurologist, which I did. And she she could not um, clarify shed light on what this possibly could have been. She said that it wasn't something that um, anyone with, and she is an SPS specialist, that anyone with SPS that she'd known in her years had experienced. Um, And perhaps it was a one-off. And we were hopeful that 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 was a one-off experience. But several days later, I was in my home and I suddenly started to feel, which I have had experience of depersonalisation and derealisation, almost like I'm floating. But this became a, a more heightened experience. And I had to, I knew I had to get up to my bed and lie down. That's where I felt safe. And my husband and my son had to help me upstairs. And thankfully, my son had left the room by then. And I, I started to go into what I would now know was another vestibular attack. Um... And it was earthquake mode. I wasn't sitting on the bed. I actually felt that I was on the ceiling and I was upside down. And my husband um, at that stage said, no, we're not leaving this. We're getting medical attention. It was the weekend, so we had to phone 111. And they said that it was best to send out some paramedics just to check that it wasn't a stroke or anything like that. And the paramedics came out and I could see immediately they thought it was a panic attack. But ironically, I I was actually calm um, because I was so much in a a physical symptom 
a, a place of physical symptoms that my, my brain really wasn't able to go into panic mode. It was trying to figure out, was I actually on the ceiling? And if so, that's not normal. Come back down to earth. Um, but when my husband mentions stiff person syndrome, they, they draw back because they don't know what it is and they have to Google, which is, you know, it's not demeaning to them to mention that. It, it, you know, I didn't know what it was. Um, so they, they thought it best um, to take me into hospital and I attended A&E and I was given a, a thorough neurological examination. Um, they also um, did the pick the Dick's Halpike manoeuvre to check that it wasn't for vertigo. Um, they checked over everything and they couldn't find what would be causing this, but not once did they look in my ear. And I need to make that clear. Um, so they called neurology because this is the hospital um, that I attend for um, neurology. And there was no one that could really shed light on it. And my own neurologist was on annual leave. So they said best to email her um, and um, await her feedback. Um, so in between her, my neurologist returning from annual leave, I had a third event. Um, and when I was going to my GP practice, I could hardly walk. And um, my mum, who had been staying with us, had left her elbow crutches. So I thought, OK, um, I, I shall use these as extra legs to steady me. Um, no one is overly worried. My blood pressure seems to be fine. Don't know what's going on. But, you know, I, I need to just I need to get to this appointment. And I must admit, the GP wasn't particularly pleasant. She, I, I could see that she didn't believe me. I could hardly walk in to the actual examination room. And when she asked me what I wanted to do, I said, well, I don't feel this is normal. And my husband said, there's no way that she can be left like this. This has went on now. You know, it's a prolonged period. Let You know, sh she needs help. Um, she, somebody needs to do something. And again, no one looked in my ears. So I, I went back down and presented to, to um, the GP um, ambulatory care bay at the hospital and they carried out further neuro examinations um, where, again, they could find nothing. And neurology, again, said, we have no idea. Now, I had seen three medics now, including the ambulance drivers, that's four, and not one looked in my ears. So when this continued and it got to the stage where I would be walking and it didn't feel as though there was any floor beneath me, sometimes I could just be walking and the next minute it was like a trap door had opened. Or I would be walking on a bouncy castle or walking on foam. I could be sitting at the kitchen table and God bless my, my, my husband um, and my children because the next minute I would just slam my hands on the table because the table had disappeared or items to to my eye suddenly moved um and it it really did feel as though there was something within my body I would be it was almost as though I was been throwing against wall back and forward side to side violently but to the onlooker I was still the the only change my, my husband started to notice in my walking was that I would suddenly start to become slightly ataxic my my um my brain would send an you know signals to my my feet to wide widen my base almost to keep me steady 
but I, I would be falling over. I would be running to get to the bed or to the chair or to whatever I could or falling against walls. Um, it would happen, you know, very undignified on the on the toilet. I would suddenly feel as though I was on an aeroplane and it was nose diving into an emergency landing or crashing, and it wasn't. It, it was almost like I actually was falling off the toilet. I couldn't shower. Um, I could not go into a bath. That was that was a definite no. Chronic fatigue wise, the bath was overwhelming me. But um, my husband did say, why not try and put some candles on, go into a bath and just try and, you know, relax. It's been a, a hard day today with symptoms and it was the worst thing ever. It just made me feel as though I was in high seas. So nothing was making sense and there were no answers coming my way. And unfortunately, that became my journey for approximately 13 months where nobody... Nobody was sending, they weren't, you know, sending any, they weren't reaching out and giving me a hand or, or as Elle said, like throwing a bone or switching a light on. And I really started to um, digress into um, a place of um, mental, psychological trauma because of where I, where I was in the build-up to my... SPS journey of of you know being labelled as as absolutely bonkers, um, and I was starting to that that was that was very scaring for me. That it was a traumatic period because again it was like no I cannot do this, um, you know nobody believing me. What does it take for someone to to believe you? So m my husband phoned the GP again after another violent attack where I actually thought that someone had pushed me up against my headboard in my bed and then I was I'd fallen through the floor down to the room below and was coming back up violently and then the bed was going back and forward back and forward and my husband could see the the, the panic and the fear on my face um because this was not normal so he said, nope, I'm calling the GP. She wasn't helpful, um, this GP. It was the same one that sent me down to the, the ambulatory care. She basically said, what is exactly is it you want me to do? And my husband was kind of lost for words. And something came in. The health professional hat came back on at that moment. Desperation, thinking, no. I will be a self-advocate. I am not going through this. I am not putting my family through all of this. That was in the forefront of my mind. And I took the phone off my husband and said, you are my health practitioner. You have a duty of care. You need to do something. I've spent seven years of people talking to me like this. And I, I have actually ended up, unfortunately, with a diagnosis of stiff person syndrome. But nobody believed me. And I have post-traumatic stress. I cannot engage because of how people, how health professionals have spoken to me. And I did say to her in my years of being a health professional, I have never addressed a patient as I have been addressed in this journey. Um, and she went silent and she said, well, I just don't know what you expect me to do. And I said, well, I've now seen four medical professionals um, including the ambulance drivers, and not one person has checked my ears. 
had you thought to check my ears because there's obviously something going on with my balance. Is this an ear infection? And she went silent. Now, this is not a verbal onslaught to my GP. It's just very important in my journey and to help other people in their journeys. And this is very typical of people who have experienced vestibular attacks like this. Often they're not believed. And I can say that because I'm on a support forum called Triple PD in Life. Um, and it's almost as though someone is writing verbatim what I have experienced, um, which is incredibly sad. Incredibly sad. Um, you know, there is no validation. There is no um, moment of elation when you read that someone else has walked the path that you have. If anything, it, it leads to great frustration. So I did say to this GP, well, may I suggest perhaps even, an, if you don't know where to start, may I suggest um, an MRI? Because you don't know what's going on and I don't know what's going on. But what I can tell you is it is happening and it is real. And it's not all in my head as in a figment of my imagination. So she said that she would email my neurologist and that she would send for an MRI. Neurology weren't sure um, what was going on and it was kind of left there, to be honest with you, until my next appointment. When I went to see her, sorry, I, I, I digress. I actually was going to see respiratory physio um, because I have dis dysfunctional breathing. And again, using my own elbow crutches, and I said to my husband, he had to pick the, my children up. And I, I said, no, you go, I will be okay. But unfortunately, there was there was black and yellow tape because of COVID in the hospital, you know, telling people to keep to one side, etc. And when you have vestibular issues, <laughs> black and yellow tape or black and white tape or anything like that does not serve you well it oh my gosh it was the worst thing and I thought oh no because suddenly the floor disappeared and there I was like Bambi on ice unaware that this physio was observing me and thinking holy smoke I'm only supposed to see her for respiratory wow what am I going to be dealing with today but he had, he's got such a lovely manner and he immediately said what's going on with you? And I'm like, well, <laughs> let me sit down if I can find a seat, find my balance and let you know and fill you in. And he was like, oh, this is vestibular. I mean, I, I don't even know, you know, the history of this, but I can tell you straight away, this is vestibular. Um, and he read my notes and he's like, right, okay, you need a referral to vestibular physio and I'm emailing your doctor. He said, this is vestibular and you need to, I'm, I'm going to email vestibular physio right now. And I'm also going to copy in your neurologist. You need to be seen. There's something happened. This is not you. Um, so a couple of days later, I actually was due to see neurology. And my neurologist, and I'm sorry if this is verbose, but it is quite important. My neurologist um, said to me, are you sure this isn't anxiety? Wow. Now, this lady I have a wonderful um, clinical relationship with. I have the utmost respect for her. Um, but I did say to her, doctor, and she, she, she's writing away in my notes. I said, doctor, I think we need to talk. And she sat back in her chair and just looked at me. And my words to her were, 
If you think that this is anxiety, then you explain to me why you think that my symptoms that I come to you with can be confirmed as SPS symptoms. And I said, with all due respect, how can you then say rubber stamp that I have SPS? And she went on to mention, well, with all due respect, you know, you you had, you know, anti-GAD um, in your um, spinal fluid, etc. I said, yes, but many people have that. So explain to me why you think I have SPS and that that's real after seven years of people telling me it wasn't real and you now coming to say to me that what I'm experiencing is anxiety. And I said, and if that's the road that we're going to go down, then I think I need to discharge from the team. And that's when she really looked at me as if to say, this girl means business today. <laughs> um, so she said, okay, well, I, I, I wonder if perhaps a second opinion. And I did make it very clear to her that I respected her opinion, but I would take that second opinion. Um, <clears throat> so with the, the vestibular, I think I've explained to the best of my ability, some of the the um, the experience, the the how the physical can feel, the physical self can feel, and I didn't give up to it. I, I would continue to try and walk with the crutches. I would go out in the evening, um, because I found and I actually connected that low light, less less moving traffic, less moving objects, and I could walk. Um, sometimes the, the, the floor would suddenly disappear. Um, I was upside down um, or I was lying on my side. But again, to the onlooker, I was in a, a normal posture. And my eldest son and then my younger two children, they were really amazing because they said, right, are you going out for your walk this evening? Come on. And they, were, they really were amazing. And I want to say that if you have people around you, Allow them to be your champions. And if you don't have anyone, message me. I'll be your champion. I will take, I will be with you and encourage you to take each step by step with regards to your journey with, with vestibular issues. You, don't do this alone is all I can say. And if there's anything I can help with, please message me. But I would recommend the Triple PD in Life Support Forum. It's a lovely, safe group lots of positivity some very desperate posts but there's always someone that can come in and shine a beacon of light and say don't give up don't let this thing get to you come on let's do this and um the only way really is is to continue with motion so yes i would have my evening walks and um some might taste um question my taste in music i have a, a large genre of um music that i enjoy but strangely enough, or not strangely enough, because I love Willie Nelson, there is something with Willie Nelson that helps me walk. And I remember writing an article of how Willie Nelson helps me walk because there's something with his music that just seemed to get the rhythm. And the only connection I can make is um, when I worked with Parkinson patients and they would, they would freeze and you would do the one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four... Um, you know, or stroke their backs to try and encourage them to to continue on with the stride. 
And often if I had a moment where the floor, you know, the trap door opened and my vestibular system could not figure out if I was upside down, inside out or where I was, suddenly one of my sons would say, start singing on the road again and start clapping along and say on the road again. <laughs> Excuse my poor singing. And there I would go. I would find the rhythm and I would keep going. And that's an important moment just to take note of. Because when I went from my second opinion to the happiest neurologist I've ever met, everyone that came out were in when they were in with him, I could hear this laughter. When they came out, they were smiling. What a gift. <laughs> It was a four-hour appointment because I had um, a neuro-ophthalmology assessment as well and my eyes were perfectly aligned. So we spoke about what was going on and when he started to talk, my husband was party to some of this and then he had to leave because it was such a lengthy consultation. My husband looked at me in absolute shock because everything this neurologist was saying it was verbatim to what I was experiencing and what I would relay and describe. And he confirmed that probably I've had an inner ear infection. I've had vestibular attacks, what sounds like three vestibular attacks, and that they were not connected to this dizziness that I would experience at the sink where it was just a wooziness and I would sit down. He said, they are not connected and this was after a very thorough examination, remember. He said um, it probably has been something labyrinthitis or, or something along that line. And had someone looked in your ear, we could have treated it with steroids and antibiotics, etc. And it probably could have resolved quicker. But, you know, we're, we're now 18 months down the line. That's not an option. Let's just look at what we... He was very positive to say, look, if we if we stay in that place of thinking, if they had done this, if they had did this, he said, it's not going to serve you. Let's just focus on what we have and what, we're, what we can deal with. And he was very wonderful um, in explaining what happened was that there was still... Um, recovery of the inner inner balance the inner ear and my I had become visually dependent so because my ears weren't working to do what they were supposed to do to be my my balance receptors and my gravity receptors my my brain had said well the ears are not working so the eyes are going to have to do the work for the balance and that's when you start to see things moving and um, the table disappears etc because the eyes are working incredibly hard they're supposed to be looking taking in everything um acknowledging what's important and you know you're within your periphery of your visual field be aware of it for um any dangers through the process of a, um, evolution if you know a hunter's coming to your left or your right you know when you're you're off um he said so your eyes are working incredibly hard and now they have this extra job of um trying to help you with balance, but they're not really there <laughs> to do that. Um, they're supposed to guide your, e your ears and your ears are supposed to, your ears and your eyes are supposed to keep sending signals, but your ears are like, nope, <laughs> I'm not cooperating today. Um, so he said, so there's that. There is the recovery of trying to um, rehabilitate your inner um, vestibular system, your inner balance with your ears. But what actually has happened as well is you've went into fight or flight mode and that is not a nice place to be. Um, 
And I could have wept with what this man, how this man explained. As I say, it was almost as though I had handed him 18 months of my life and he was reading it back to me. But he made me laugh along the way as well, you know. But he, he picked up on some things with, with regards to the fight or flight. He didn't immediately go in to say you're in fight or flight mode. He asked me very subtle things such as if you felt... And, and this, again, I was, I was amazed by his insight into this. I don't know why. He's a neurologist, a very clever man. But it was, it was his empathy and his ability to see me as a whole person and, and hear me, not just listen, but really hear me. And um, he said, you know, if you feel like a capillary tightening your leg, which we can feel from time to time, and if you were at work or if you were walking, you would acknowledge it and just continue on, or you might scratch it if it's a bit itchy sometimes. He said, but if that happens... In your brain suddenly latches on and thinks, oh my gosh, something's wrong. And that was exactly what was happening to me. And he said, is there anything like that going on? And I said, exactly what you said. He said, you know, even like something brushing against you, anyone touching you, um, anything like that, it, it, it doesn't feel like normal touch. It, it's almost like your, your, your body goes into almost as if someone's like trying to harm you. And it's like, yes. He said, your body's went into fight or flight. Um, he said, and that's really not a nice place to be, as I said. And he said, and it's very difficult because you have, a, you know, an active disease such as SPS, which will um, really grab on to any heightened responses. He said, so it's almost as though there's a line between SPS to the right, there's a line down the middle, and then there's this vestibular and this fight or flight. He said, and, and it's it's trying to allow them to, to re retune um, to allow everything to come back into synchronicity. And he said, and I'm not going to lie to you, you've got a lot of work ahead of you and it could take a couple of years and my heart sank at that moment. But what I would say is, is that there are good days and there are bad days, but when the bad days come, I know that it's going to pass. And don't be overwhelmed if they do, if, you know, someone were to say to you, this is going to be a lengthy process. Try not to think of it as that and think of, I've got today. I've got today and what can I do today to, to help me? Um, so he explained about, you know, going to vestibular physio and um, <clears throat> to um, be prescribed um, a rehabilitation programme. And I would also recommend the Steady Coach on YouTube. She's very good. Um, so I embarked upon that and one of the main things with this vestibular issue is to continue with movement, to bend, to reach, to to walk in the dark, to um, stand on one leg when you're brushing your teeth and all these things which can be difficult if you have SPS or other conditions. Um, but also if you're experiencing chronic fatigue, it's very difficult if your body is in a, a place where it can hardly breathe, then you're not going to be able to get out and walk that day. But what I, I can say is, is that when that fatigue passes, I make sure I sit up. I make sure that I sit up, that even if it is just bending down to pick up a sock when my body is in a place where it's able to do so, when it's not in that moment of overwhelming fatigue. 
because what even one small movement of bending down and, and coming back up is at least pushing the vestibular system to the best of your ability that day. But the other thing was um, that I came away from this appointment um, was that he said to me, find something to be happy about each day. And look, I'd already explained to him I'd embarked upon this journey of self-care. I was um, meditating, particularly with, with meditations re regarding my breathing. Um, I was uh, practicing EFT. I was, you know, smile therapy, smiling at myself. It's bizarre because I can be put, popping my moisturiser on and I, I feel as though I'm upside down. There's no floor beneath me and I have to smile. And you, you think, why? Well, the reason being is that, there, yes, there is vestibular rehabilitation taking place, but the fight or flight is what, you know, because it doesn't feel normal to be as if you're in an earthquake or you're, you're being... Um, thrown against a wall or you're trying to if you know the days that I can cook I'm cutting vegetables I've lost the tip of a finger um my son came home to be with me at the kitchen table trying to elastoplast a finger um not fully lost at the tip but cut the tip off and cut the tip of it quite deeply and he's like oh <laughs> what's happening today and I'm like well you know but don't worry the soup's fine it's okay it didn't go near the soup um and I think there was a few <laughs> I think there was a bit of a reluctance to have dinner that evening um, <laughs> after seeing the, the, the amount of um, kitchen roll and, and plasters that I was trying to do to stem the bleeding. Oh, dear. Um, if you didn't laugh, you would cry. Um, <clears throat> so I have had experiences like that where suddenly I'm chopping the carrots and and this is a good analogy. And my, my middle son cottoned on to this very quickly um, and it helped me tremendously you forget that your loved ones are watching you and that they're caring for you I was after that that was when I was cutting carrots and I with the thing the thumb incident but because suddenly the the worktop disappeared and then I was with a floating carrot thinking oh my lord seriously seriously um, so every time I went to cut carrots, I would suddenly feel I was upside down, etc. And it was my son that recognised. He's like, it's every time you cut carrots, and I think it's connected. Your brain has now thought that the carrot is a danger. <laughs> oh, you couldn't write this stuff. Your brain's thought that carrots are a danger to you, mum. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, every time you go to cut carrots, your brain doesn't like it. And he was right. So... I got on to cutting those carrots. I did. I refused to allow a carrot to beat me. <laughs> um, you know, a carrot and a stick analogy. Oh my goodness, if anything, you know. So that was that. So where am I today? This is quite lengthy and I do apologise. I'm still pushing the vestibular. Um, I, I need to make sure that I have enough sleep that I'm hydrated, that I have moments of rest, but that I am also trying to, if I can't get out at the moment, like Elle is managing these beautiful forest walks, and if anything, I'm so envious. And I think Monty is too, when he heard the word walk there, he's, I don't know if you could hear him, he was giving a big stretch, thinking, oh, good. <laughs> I can't get out at the moment because I'm recovering from flu. So what can I do? Well, I can go outside 
for a couple of minutes and and the vestibular didn't like that it's like no we're safe indoors don't go out and it's like no we are going out and it's this inner narrative that I have to have with myself um to say no we are going out and everything looks strange but do you know what it isn't strange and it's the it's the trying to deal with the fight or flight part of my brain this subconscious m that likes to then say I, I might just go and talk to sps today and i'm like absolutely no you're grounded <laughs> you're grounded i'm conscious i'm looking at the trees i'm listening to the birds i'm clapping my dog monty i am okay and that's why i smile when i feel that there's no floor beneath me um and there have been a few times where i've started to walk and went like bambi went into Bambi pose <laughs> and God bless my children. Um, it's not distressing for them. They just say, mum, there is a floor beneath you. Come on, keep walking. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and I'm like, thank you. And it's all very lighthearted. You know, children are so accepting and they're like, mum, come on now. And again, Willie Nelson, my eldest will, will start singing Willie Nelson or Elvis. And he's like, come on. And that, you know, it can catch me out, but I'm in a much better place now. And there has been much talk of now that you're recovering from the flu, mum, can we get back out on those walks? Can we go to the run free fields with Monty, allow him to burn off his labradoodle energy and you get that step count back up? And that's where I am today. I hope this has given you hope. I hope it has enlightened it perhaps there isn't a connection or it isn't the same presentation, but I hope it's given you hope to speak to someone, be your self-advocate or be an advocate for someone else. Do not be afraid. If anyone is very apprehensive about speaking up for themselves, it's me. But sometimes you have to just bite the bullet and say, nope. This is my life. You, When I come to see you for a consultation, I only see you for half an hour, perhaps every couple of months or every year. So this is my life. I have to live with me and I have to be the best version of myself for me and for my family and to live life to the full, to the best of my ability. I hope that if there's been a connection, that there is something that's came out of it. Um, with smiling, with forest bathing, recognising sleep hydration, recognising the fight or flight response. I would just say that I have had dynamic posturographs um, which have confirmed that I have vestibular issues and that really was me kicking down doors. So don't be afraid to kick down doors um, because nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to be in earthquake mode. And if you need help knowing where to go, how to be signposted, please message me. As I said, I will be your champion. But for today, I will end here because this is a lengthy, a lengthy um, podcast. Choose something to be happy about today. Choose something that makes you happy. Smile. Be gentle on yourself. Take some rest. Have that cup of tea. Talk to someone about it. Talk to yourself and have self-validation that this is real. Lots of love and hope, M. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We would love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, 
SPS Unscripted Podcast. If you would prefer to DM us privately, then do so with the Facebook Messenger app. We're also over on Instagram, SPS Unscripted Podcast 1, all one word. A gentle reminder, we are not medical professionals. This content is reflective of personal journeys where we follow advice from our medical teams and we strongly advise that you always consult your medical professional for advice.